Today on the Tim Manor Podcast Show, I'm going to not pronounce her name because I'm going to get it wrong. So, Olivia, can you pronounce your name? It's Olivia Victoria Poddana. <laughs> That's just a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Olivia is a motivational speaker. Tell me what else you do, Olivia. Your videos are amazing, by the way. Thank you. For such a young age, you're very in tuned and emotionally aware, aren't you? How, yeah. Where's that come from? That comes from trauma. <laughs> Talk to me about it. As always. So just a bit of background. Uh, I work as a therapist in the NHS and in my own practice. Um, I do CBT techniques, which is cognitive behavioural therapy, all about how our thoughts influence our emotions and behaviours. And I've also trained in IFS, internal family systems. Um, I don't know if you know. No? Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> so IFS is probably the most powerful form of psychological therapy that I've come across. And in my own personal life, I've gone through like person-centered counseling, CBT, EMDR, psychotherapy, literally like you name it, (laughs) I've been there. And then I came across IFS four years ago and it's really revolutionizing the way we approach psychotherapy. It comes with a slightly spiritual perspective. And we've been taught that in our mind is a singular thing, whereas actually IFS teaches that the mind is multiple, that we have an internal family within us. So when you say things like, oh, there's a part of me that really wants to make this happen, but then there's another part that has a completely different opinion, right? And you feel a bit like you've got a bipolar disorder or you're schizophrenic or something like that. And actually what it is, is those almost little people (laughs) within you that just have opposing opinions on things. And the goal of IFS is to meet all of those parts meet all the parts that are wounded, that have been through trauma, and really help them unburden all of that energy they've been carrying. And then connect to our self energy, because in IFS, we believe that healing doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't come from techniques. It comes from that internal connection that we always have access to. So, yeah, like I I mean, you love. talk about the inner child a lot, don't you? That's your, yeah. your thing you talk mm-hmm. about. And, it, and is that what you're talking about there? Is IFS literally yeah. having that conversation with that? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's I've going... never looked at it like before about having the different parts. It's interesting that, isn't it? Yeah, it's so fascinating. Like when whenever I do a session with someone and sometimes it's hard to understand what IFS is until you actually experience it and every single person when they come out of the session the session is almost like a meditation trance in a way what are you doing tell me what you're doing in this in this in this therapy session what are you doing yeah so we go into sort of a mindfulness exercise where firstly we just focus internally regulate our breath, do some breathing exercises. And then sometimes people have a specific thing that they come with. So maybe it's a past trauma or they're really struggling with anxiety. So then we really check in and go to that part that feels anxious. And a lot of the time, those extreme parts have taken on those very extreme roles and are working really hard to produce the anxiety 
in order to protect a younger, more vulnerable part, that's the inner child that a lot of people call. And we help that protective part to unburden and not have to work so hard anymore. And then we go to the internal child that that part has been protecting to help that inner child unburden all of the energies, all of these stories powerful, that, that it's it? been holding. Yeah, literally when people come out of the meditation, the first words are holy fuck. Because everything just clicks. All the experiences that they've been through in life suddenly make sense. When did you hear about it? When's the first time you heard about the IF? I've never heard that before. Yeah, honestly, it, it's very well hidden. Yeah. <laughs> it's just coming to the NHS, so it's been approved in Lancashire and a few other places, um, not in Greater Manchester yet. Um, it is evidence-based and it is approved therapy in the US, um, but it is quite fresh to the UK. That's why a lot of people don't actually know about it. Um, unless you're a therapist, then you would have heard about IFS, probably, because for each place on the training, there's thousands of people applying, and it's a lottery system. So they basically allow the universe to pick whoever gets on the training. So they believe that the right people will be trained in IFS. Um, Yeah, it's honestly so powerful. And two of my friends, really close friends, are trained IFS uh, practitioners, and... I remember I was um, in a really bad place a few years ago, Um, well, throughout my life, but we can get to that later, Um, but I was really struggling. I didn't really know what was going on for me. Um, I was in a toxic relationship at the time, and um, I asked my friend whether she can do some IFS sessions with me. And I remember going to the session, and suddenly I uncovered a trauma Um, of being abused as a child that I completely forgot, completely dissociated from the experience. And in that hour session, we were able to go back to the experience, really see and hear that inner child and all the pain it's been carrying and just release. And honestly, I was like, whoa, because that therapy allows you to go into your subconscious mind where all of those memories are stored and we might not consciously know why we're depressed or anxious, but actually that therapy technique allows us to tap into those hidden memories. So after that, I was just sold, The beginning part is really important then, isn't it? The breathing and getting into that space where you're allowing yourself to Mm. bring these up because, I mean, there's stuff now in my life that triggers me and I ask myself the question why did that trigger you where has that come from Mm. and it's always to do when I was a little Tim and I'm like well you remember when that happened to you or do you remember when your dog died at that point and stuff it's attached to that and I'm just like well who's actually talking to me yeah it's because I'm asking myself the right questions Mm. people don't know how to do that do they no no and awareness is the main thing it's increasing that awareness of why something triggers us and we so quickly to blame other people and you know never take responsibility whereas actually i believe that even when something really horrible happens it actually allows us to look within why is that experience really triggering us you know what what's that internal system what's going on and really finding that out because if we are able to heal that part of us 
then that thing won't trigger us anymore. I can't believe you're 24. <laughs> it's like talking to a 60-year-old or something. Yeah. It's like, where, where has this come from? Where has this... Because like, you're like truly passionate about this, mm. about helping people, aren't you? Yeah. Where's it come from? That where, What's that trigger? Talk to me about that. Can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I believe I've always been told that I don't act my age I don't sound my age even when I was like 12 you know speaking to my friends parents they were like I can't believe you're 12 like you're literally like a 30 40 year old and that's always been the thing literally since I was a very young child and I believe that comes from trauma and anyone that gets told because you've had to grow up quick or something yeah yeah exactly so anyone that gets told that they are very mature for their age oftentimes they've learned very young how to take ownership over other people themselves because it wasn't safe for them to be children so they had to almost become adults very young um, and for me, it started in my mum's womb. <laughs> so my mum, she was a very young mum. She was uh, 18 uh, when she was pregnant and she was in a very toxic relationship. And she didn't realise it at the time. Uh, my dad is a typical psychopath. And when when they were in, a, in the relationship, there was some red flags um, and things that were really questionable. But I think well, when you're at that age and the cultural pressures in Poland, she could, she was already pregnant, so then she had to get married to him. And um, long story short, my uh, dad was actually linked to some very <laughs> dangerous Russian people. Um, there was a lot of um, dangerous situations that my mum was placed in. Um, literally like the Godfather (laughs) movie. That was my childhood, the first three years of my childhood. Um, And like my earliest memories are, like I I probably won't say it out loud here because I don't really want to trigger people that much. Um, But it's like terrible things that you see like in horror movies basically. And I I grew up on that foundation and my mum worked really hard. Do you to... talk about those experiences? Yeah. Those, so, those horrors that you've seen? Yeah. So one of the most extreme ones for me was when um, my grandparents, my dad's parents were living in the countryside. And I just remember I was about three years old. So it's very blurred. Uh, and I did dissociate from that memory. But I basically remember screaming and my dad running after my granddad with an axe, um, trying to murder him (laughs) in the countryside. And my mum picking me up and just running, like running towards the forest. Um, That's one of my earliest memories. And this is a kind of regular occurrence of like threat and violence and... Yeah, yeah, like mafia in the living room, you know, cocaine... um, literally everything that you can imagine um so that was very obviously very unsafe for a child and we even carry trauma from when we are in our mum's womb as well and I know that my dad attempted to um, strangle my mum as well when she was pregnant a few times um luckily nothing ever happened um but that was there so as you can imagine as you're carrying a baby all that stress all that trauma is passed on to the womb, to the baby being born. Um, 
yeah, and then I remember suddenly like everything stopping. Um, and then I don't have any memories of my dad. And the thing is, as a child, I completely dissociated from all the bad experiences. And I just painted this picture of like very caring, loving dad. And I remember my grandma telling me that he's uh, gone away to work to another country. Um, and I would receive letters uh, from him, you know, saying how much he loves me and things like that. Um, and I was always reading the letters and he'd sometimes call me and I was like, oh, dad, like when you're coming back, completely unaware of the <laughs> trauma that me and my mum have just been through. Um, and I remember being on the playground when I was six and one of the children started laughing at me and I was like, like, why are you laughing? Like, what's going on? And he was like, oh, um, my brother just uh, met your dad. And I was like, my dad's away, like in another country. And he was like, no, your dad's in prison. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't believe it. And I went home and told them and they were like, well, yeah, yeah, he's been in prison. And to this day, I don't really know clearly why he's been in prison. Um, he's been in and out throughout my life. Um, I was contacted by someone last year saying that he's back in prison. So I don't actually have any contact with him at the moment. Um, yeah, but as you can imagine, that was very traumatic foundation for a child to grow up on. And after that, we moved uh, to the UK uh, when I was 11. I didn't speak the language, not a single word. I remember sitting in class and not knowing what people were saying to me, like teachers asking me questions and I'd be like, I don't speak English, sorry. Um, yeah, and I remember always feeling that like emptiness as a child. And I think there's only one picture of me as a child smiling. I never smiled as a child. Um, I always wore black. Um, I had a very challenging behaviour in school, even though like my grades were amazing because I just remember things, you know, for exams. Um, but yeah, like my behaviour was really coming out and no one ever took me to a psychologist, psychiatrist. There was none of that. It was almost like everything was fine. Everything was normal. And then when I was 12, I started self-harming and my mum only found out when I was 14. Um, and I think that's when it hit her that maybe I need to speak to someone. So it took nearly 14 years for me to actually start receiving some help. Um, and outside of self-harm, so by the age of 15, I had two attempted suicide attempts. Um, Self-harm, I still have the scars because it was pretty bad. Um, I was addicted to cannabis. Um, I was selling <laughs> cigarettes in school. Um, I was expelled multiple times. And I remember when I did one of the suicide attempts and suddenly my mum gave me a book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind at that point. Um, and I was also put on lots of medications um, and seeing a psychiatrist and a psychologist. But I remember reading that book and suddenly I received a vision, a vision of me being on stage and sharing my story with other people in order to show them 
that it doesn't matter what you go through because you can go through the most horrendous experiences in life, but that does not have to define you. You can still create the life that you want. You can regulate your nervous system. It will take work, but it's possible. And it was that book and the meditations that I started doing, affirmations, I got very deep into spirituality and personal development at a very young age because it helped me save my life. And I thought, if I can go through all that, literally all forms of abuse, like emotional, physical, sexual abuse, everything, and still have hope and have that knowing that I can share my story and help someone else if they're in the darkest of darkest of places and help them see some hope, some light, that there is that light at the end of the tunnel as we say it, and it is cliche, but it's true, that there is that light within us, but sometimes it's burdened by the experiences that we go through. When did you know that you wanted to help people? What, what, what was the, the point where you thought, right, okay, I want to become a therapist now and help other people? Yeah, so I've wanted two jobs <laughs> since I was young. So the first career that I aspired for was to be in the mafia. Okay. <laughs> and then, How did that work out for you? No, it didn't work out, yeah, okay. <laughs> fortunately. Um, and then after the suicide attempt, when I read The Power of Your Subconscious Mind and started practicing all these things, I was like, I can help other people because they call it like the wounded healer that I never wanted anyone to go through the pain that I felt because that was rock bottom, you know, to try to take your own life at the age of 14, that's rock bottom. And... I knew that I had that in me. It was like a calling from something bigger, whether you call it the universe, God, you know, whatever. I just had that inner knowing, that vision just grew stronger and stronger and stronger. And I got very deep into personal development books. Um, I think I've literally read like thousands of books, like you name a book, I've probably read it. Um, thousands of hours of different podcasts, you know. Um, studying psychology, um, studying CBT, studying IFS, uh, Reiki energy healing, literally anything I could get my hands on, you know, I would do the training. And my mission is to just really help people turn that pain into power, that true strength that's within them already. Fucking hell, Olivia. <laughs> to say you, you, you couldn't talk English to now the way you deliver stuff is, how have you been able, how are you able to deliver something so beautifully like that? How have you taught yourself to deliver something like that? It comes from the universe. I'm just a channel. Um, do you believe that? Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm just a tool, you know, to spread that love and light to other people. And it's been a journey for sure. Um, in Poland, when I was growing up, I was very confident. I would always be in school plays, like main character, like, you know, always push myself out there. And then I moved to the UK and there was a lot of racism. Like, it was crazy. Was there? Hmm? Was there? Yeah, it was, it was insane. 
and I remember in school I'd be called the Polish slag and things like that and I couldn't really speak English like other people other Polish people had to translate for me and I was like whoa okay and then when I started speaking very mind I didn't speak English so you know my accent wasn't there like the grammar wasn't there um I remember people laughing at me making me and uh, mimicking me and yeah just really taking the piss <laughs> out of how I spoke so that caused me to then really take a step back withdraw not speak to anyone I remember eating my lunch in the toilet on multiple occasions because I didn't feel safe to be around other people um I remember yeah like even in class like the teacher would ask me a question and I would just be silent like the voice was just really not there um and then I eventually made some friends got into smoking so <laughs> that allowed me a very fun social life in school um but that fear of public speaking really grew and it was to the point where I wouldn't speak if there was more than three people listening to me like I just wouldn't like re refused completely and I went into university and I knew I had this vision of really helping people so I signed myself up for a public speaking course <laughs> which was very challenging at the time considering I couldn't speak in front of three people I remember my first speech I but wrote why, it why why have you why have you done that Olivia what was the why why have you done that when you're so fucking shit scared why have you decided to do that because I know my mission, I know... It was that clear. It was that clear. I knew the purpose I had, so I was like, I have to go through this struggle because a lot of the time, our greatest fear actually becomes our greatest strength. So I signed myself up for the cause, did the cause, the first speech, I was literally shaking, like not even making eye contact, reading from the paper. Um, and then by the end, I delivered a speech in front of 100 people. I was on two glasses of Prosecco because otherwise I would have not been able to speak. Um, and then from then I just grew. I met mentors along the way who really helped me, encouraged me, gave me opportunities to speak. Um, and it is, I feel like it's a skill and I'm still developing that skill. I am very early on, um, but I do know the vision that I have. And I would say if there's anyone listening, thinking that they're really scared of doing something, it's probably a sign that they should do it because there will be something greater at the end of that, whether that's personal growth, personal satisfaction, that they've overcome that fear, or maybe it will lead them to their mission, you know, if they do feel really lost at the moment. How did you get to be a therapist within the NHS? How did that come about? So I studied psychology, um, and then I the pandemic hit, um, and I ended up jobless. Um, I was working full time prior to that. Um, I was made redundant as soon as the pandemic happened, like literally the first day. And I was like, fuck, how am I going to pay my bills? Um, because like my mum, the way she's raised me was for me to always be independent and really fight for my dreams and work hard for my dreams. So I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. So then I went, ended up working for Domino's, delivering pizza in the pandemic, which was great. And then I quit because it was not the place for me. I ended up working for the ambulance service, uh, taking 999 calls. Uh, and then after that, I saw an advert come up about low intensity CBT. 
uh, at postgraduate. So I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So applied, um, got in straight away. Um, and it was one of those things I feel like I was meant to lose that job to lead me there because the <coughs> my direction was going more towards business and not training psychotherapy and like using the business as a tool to help people, you know, still share my story, still inspire people. Um, and then it was like the universe was like, no, you've got to do the psychotherapy first. What sort of meditation do you do? Do you meditate, do you meditate every day? Yeah. What sort of meditation are you doing? Oh, literally, it really depends on the day. Sometimes I do internal family systems meditation to just really check in with all the parts of me that are active on that day. I need to do this with you. You I do. Need to do yeah, it with you. you do. It you sounds do. amazing. Yeah. Go on, go on. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so IFS. Um, yeah. I sometimes just put some Indian mantra music and yeah. then focus on my breath. Um, I've got a friend that's a yoga teacher and she's taught me some different breathing techniques um, like the breath of fire um, to really pump the navel um, and release all the toxins um, that we we have throughout the sleep. So you just, depending on how you're feeling in the day, either sitting in stillness or you'll do Mm. guided or you're at right perfect. Yeah, sometimes visualizations of what I want my future to be like. It just really depends. Like this morning, I just stood there and just visualize like a white light, you know, yeah. coming down on me. Through, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it just depends. What is the vision then? What's the vision? The vision. Yeah. Of what, what's the vision for Olivia? How long have we got? <laughs> so the vision for me is to be able to hold huge spaces mm-hmm. for people, and I don't like to call it motivational speaking but I want to be able to share my story, be vulnerable and give others permission to be vulnerable and realize that they have that inner strength, that inner power within them. So my vision is to travel the world, go around different countries, speak on stages, hold that space for people and not just give them like a pep talk, but actually take them through different healing experiences so they can themselves see that they truly hold that power within because I know that on my journey I've become almost addicted to personal development techniques and self-help and I was told like do this kundalini awakening and and do this like chakra healing and EFT and this and that and that and I was like what the fuck like you know and I had that realization not that long ago that like actually it's all within me like yes those techniques can help but they can become so dangerous if we rely on them a lot of the time because it's just a protection mechanism yeah agreed it's not actually our true core self which is always within not outside of us and this is what you're teaching this is what you're preaching this is what you're telling everybody aren't you yeah 100 percent. and outside of that write books as well to access more people um i also want to have various charities as well to help young people who really struggle because i never had that i never had someone say like are you okay like your behaviors you're acting up in school like is everything okay i never had that i was put on performance plans in school you know and it's so important to actually give young people the opportunity to have a safe space because they might not have that at home and everyone's blaming them for their behavior whereas actually it's the trauma it's the parts within them that do feel very unsafe that's insane that 
I can't believe you think like it's such like a young age. It's absolutely mental, you know. I just, um, you messaged me, right? And then I looked at your, I looked at your Instagram and I instantly knew that I want you on my podcast because I, I see greatness in you. And I feel like I'm just at the start of your journey and in years to come, like you're going to be massive. And I know that I've had a conversation with you. Wow, thank you. Good that, mean, that means so much. Honestly. You're amazing, mate. Honestly, you're amazing. Amazing. 24, I'm just like, you blow my mind. Thank you. You're going to help so many people, aren't you? You know that yeah. already. You know what your vision is. Yeah. And everybody just come, everybody needs to know it's come from trauma. It's mm. come from absolute dark bullshit. Yeah. And you've made it your strength. Yeah. And people, don't, people can't see that, can they, sometimes? That they're actual what they think their weakness is, is actually their most valuable asset. Yeah. We buy into the story that society tells us that if you traumatize, you need to go on this medication. And I'm all for medication in certain, certain circumstances, but actually, why don't we get told that our greatest strength lies in our ability to go through mm. those traumatic experiences yeah. and come on the other side? Yeah, I um, I uh, had a consultation in the other day, and the guy's talking a little bit about some of the trauma he's got, and he t he told me a story about. Shout out to all of you who are listening to this, Adel. Um, he went to sleep, and his his dog died, and he went to sleep in his dog's bed, and his dad kept, "Oh, what are you doing that for? You pussy, get up, your dog, you know, like." And it triggered me in the meeting. I'm just like, whoa, what the fuck is going on there? Like, really got to me that. So I'm driving home from the gym. I asked myself the question, why did that trigger you? And then something came up and it came up there and I was like, oh my God. Mm. And I had to accept it, love it and sort of forgive myself and talk to little Tim and say, it, we're all right. I'm sorry that I did that for you. And I just like crying, yeah. driving home. I'm like crying for five minutes like that. It was the first, I didn't realise it traumatised me so much, yeah. but I brought it up, accepted it, loved it, and then I just let it go. But it's just through these practices that you're saying and understanding and being aware and being able to do that. Because I used to like maybe bring it up and then go push it mm. back down. Just like, and that's the work. That's the work. Fucking art's the work. Listen, yeah. I got gym. I go do cold water therapy. I do all this. Like, it's good, right? Yeah, it's great. Awesome. That ain't the fucking work. No. That's the work because it's fucking minging. It's so fucking hard. Yeah. It really is. And I really acknowledge that, yeah. that it is so difficult. And I don't want people to hear that, oh, you know, you just go through all this trauma and then you're healing and you're fine. Like, yeah. no, like I still have things to work on, you yeah. know, especially in relationships, things can really trigger me. Yeah. Me too, mate. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm 48. I'm still fucking, yeah. I'm still doing the fucking work. Yeah. It's never ending work because that's the reason we're here in this body on earth to be able to do the work, to be able to release everything and inc keep increasing that awareness of what's going on for us so we can share that with other people and contribute to that collective healing because at the end of the day, it's not about us. Yeah. It's about the collective healing, the whole of humanity, yeah. you know, going to a heaven on earth, you know. A better place for all of us but that requires every single person to do their own little bit and do that deep inner work that's really fucking hard really fucking hard yeah 
minging. Mm. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, because I looked, I used to, at one point in time, I started training and doing a lot of the gyms. My, my relationship with the gym has very much changed now. When I used to go to the gym, I used to harden my exterior so nobody could hurt me inside or mm. could protect like my mummy was hurt by my dad and stuff. And that's why I was going, that was my relationship with the gym. But it was hardening my heart as well. And I wasn't able to love. I wasn't able to communicate in a certain way. My relationship now is that I can look after myself if what's it or I'll what's it and softening my heart. It, mm. People have got to really understand, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And I really get that because I was the same. For a while, I was putting on this brave face of you know, this amazing, healed, strong person, never actually showing my vulnerability or, you know, the traumas that I've been through that really give me the purpose, you know, I was hiding all of that, you know, when people met me for the first time, they thought I was from this, I don't know, like rich family, everything was great. And actually behind all of this is a story that everyone has that story. Um, but it's so easy to see someone who's, you know, going to the gym and not really giving that emotional care for other people and be like, oh, he's a dick. Yeah, yeah. But actually, yeah. no, no, what's behind that? Yeah, what's behind that? Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you then if they want to work with you? What's the... So they can email me on uh, opoddana at gmail.com. <laughs> we can... Spell, we can... spell that? <laughs> so it's O P O D D A N. A yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, Olivia Victoria IFS. So it's O L I W I A V I K T O R I A I F S. Fucking hell, <laughs> fire. I'll bring, I'll bring it up a little Instagram handle for you. Amazing. Thank Mate, you. you're amazing. You're amazing. You just keep fucking going. Just keep doing it, keep doing it. It's anything that I can help you with to project Thank and you. amplify your personal brand or anything. Thank Honestly, you. Honestly, you know where I am. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank Olivia. You. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.